Good morning. It's so good to be together again. It's so great to see so many of you. And for those of you that if you're joining online, I trust that you are blessed by this as well. Um, let's pray before I begin my message. Thank you, Father, that we can come together at this time. Even when we can't be physically together, at least we can connect in this wonderful way through electronic devices. And more than that, we connect with you, spirit to spirit, heart to heart. And I pray now that as we come together now, as I bring a word, your word, I pray that you will open our hearts to hear from you and that you will use me to speak what's on your heart for us at this time. Thank you, Father. Amen. Many people are saying that we are living in unprecedented times. But are we really? Has the world not experienced the type, this type of global crisis before? If you look back in time, you'll see that this type of pandemic has happened numerous times over the past number of centuries. Now, just 100 years ago, the world was busy recovering from the global Spanish flu pandemic, where tragically, millions of people around the world succumbed to the virus. It took some time but the world recovered from the pandemic, and I know that we will recover from this one too. How long is that going to take? I don't know. What I do know is that we will get through it. People are speculating and asking questions of how did this come about? Where did the virus originate? Was it a laboratory or was it a food market? These are the questions that I'm not sure if we will ever get to the bottom of and get a direct and true answer. There will always be truths, half-truths and blatant lies that will surface in various publications. Which ones can you trust to print the truth? Who knows? One question you're not hearing in the national news, be it TV, radio or print media, is where is God in all of this? Or... Where is God in times of crisis? It could be because of our social distancing. We are not hearing people saying, if God is so loving, why is he allowing this to happen? Or it could be that so many people no longer believe in God. Now this is something that I want to look at today. Where is God in times of crisis? I know we should be continuing our series on spiritual formation in the book of Acts, but I felt I needed to speak on this at this time. As many of you know, I have the habit of reading through the Bible every year using various reading plans. It's something that I've been doing for the past 40 years. Initially, I used to read two chapters in the Old Testament and two chapters in the New Testament every day in my Bible. In that way, I went through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice in the year. At times I would add reading through Psalms at the same time, and other years I'd read a chapter of Proverbs each day, getting through Proverbs every month. Now since the advent of smartphones, we've been blessed to have different Bible apps giving us the Bible wherever we go. Now I've been using the Version Bible app provided by Life Church, which is such an amazing Bible app that just keeps getting better and better. In my opinion, it's the best Bible app in the market. It has numerous Bible translations, as well as different languages and so many features. 
If you don't use a Bible app and are looking for one, I would highly recommend it. And just to make it clear, I receive nothing from promoting this app, apart from knowing that if you use it, you'll be thoroughly blessed by it. And it is not just for adults. They have an app for kids too. So parents, you can get it on there for them as well. And on top of it, it's totally free. At present, I'm reading through the Bible using the New Living Translation version. Just to make a change from my more regular NIV or ESV or New King James version, which have been my go-to versions over the years. Getting back to my Bible reading, I've just finished reading through Deuteronomy and have thus started. Can anyone tell me the next book? Sorry, I can't hear you. Ah, that's correct. It is Joshua. Now, last Saturday, my Old Testament reading was Deuteronomy chapters 31 and 32. Now, this is where Moses is coming to the end of his life. He's 120 years old and is preparing to die as he's not going into the promised land. He's getting ready to hand over the responsibility of leading the people to Joshua, who will take them into the promised land. It was in reading through chapter 31 that one of the verses really stood out to me and made me think about the crisis we are facing now. Chapter 31 starts with Moses addressing the Israelites and telling them he's not, to, he's not to lead them into the promised land, but Joshua will. That they will face enemies, but they are to be strong and courageous. That God will go before them and be with them. That he'll never leave them nor forsake them. But they were to be obedient to the law that God had given them. The law Moses had so diligently written out for them and handed to the priests to read to the people. I want to pick up from halfway through chapter 31. So let's read together from Deuteronomy chapter 31. And we're going to read verses 14 to 18. The Lord said to Moses, Now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting, where I will commission him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. Then the Lord appeared at the tent in a pillar of cloud, and the cloud stood over the entrance to the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, You are going to rest with your fathers, and these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I made with them. On that day, I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them, and they will be destroyed. Many disasters and difficulties will come upon them. And on that day, they will ask, Have not these disasters come upon us because our God is not with us? And I will certainly hide my face on that day because of all their wickedness in turning to other gods. The verse that stood out to me was verse 17. On that day, I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them and they will be destroyed. Many disasters and difficulties will come upon them. And on that day, they will ask, have not these disasters come upon us because our God is not with us? Now, Out of that sentence, the phrase that stood out for me was, I will hide my face from them. 
It's repeated in verse 18 with even more emphasis. And I will certainly hide my face. Now, having recently celebrated Good Friday, which is a celebration because we know Resurrection Sunday is coming, it struck me that it was the same thing that God did on that Friday, on Good Friday. He turned his face away on that day. And not from a rebellious and stiff-necked people, but from his own son. He turned his face from Jesus as he hung on the cross. Because he could not look upon the sin that his son, Jesus, had taken upon himself. My sin, your sin, the sin of the world. It is that sin that Jesus took upon himself that caused the father to turn away and hide his face from his son. God looked away, as is recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27 and verse 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God looked away from Jesus at that time because of the sin that he had upon him. Now, God knows exactly what is going on in the world. He was not caught short when this virus broke out. He knows what is going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, next decade, even next century. He has seen the end already because that is who he is. He is Almighty God. I know that he did not cause this virus that has resulted in this pandemic and loss of lives. But I believe that he has allowed it because he is Father God, who is not a control freak and has given us, all of us, every one of us, all mankind, he has given us free will. We have the freedom of choice. We are free to seek him or disregard him. We are free to worship him or denounce him. Free to speak to him or free to ignore him. But I know he will always be standing at the door of our hearts, knocking, waiting for us to open our hearts and lives to him. He's not a law enforcement officer that will break down the door to gain access to our lives. He is gentle, kind, patient, caring and loving and will always wait for us to open the door to him. To many, he is the father they never had or never experienced, the father they long for but don't know how to reach out to him because they have never experienced the love of a father. To others, he's exactly like the father that was or is in their life, a father who they can trust and rely on, who is caring and considerate, always available, never too busy for them, a father who loves them. And not only them, but their mother and siblings too. No matter what your experience is or was with your father, be it good or bad or in between, please know that the love of Father God far exceeds anything you have experienced on this earth, even if your father is or was an exceptional father. God does love you and me and cares for you and me. 
He demonstrated that by sending his son Jesus to die for you and me and make the way for each one of us to find him and come to him. He has already reached out to you through Jesus Christ. Now he wants you to reach out to him. Where is God in times of crisis? He has promised us that he will never destroy mankind again like he did in the flood even though it now feels like we are living in the midst of a flood of disease and death, he will never break that promise. But I believe that there are times when he will look look away from all the greed and evil in the world today. And it is in those times that the enemy will strike, especially when so many in the world today do not believe that there is an enemy whose purpose is to rob, kill and destroy just as they don't believe that there is a God who loves them. Where is God in times of crisis? He's right here alongside us. He might be looking away at the moment, just like you might do when you do not want to watch a scene in a movie or a TV show, so you look away. But just like you during that moment, you're not looking but still hearing. He has never stopped listening. He hears everything that is going on. He hears the laboured breathing of those suffering with the virus. He hears the exhausted sighs of the doctors and nurses. He hears the desperation and anguish in the voice of those inquiring about sick loved ones. He hears the crying of the bereaved and even the sound of every tear as they drop to the ground. He hears every whisper, every groan, every moan, every shout that escapes from our lips. He hears every thank you, every clap, every trumpet blast and drum beat, every song that is sung, every instrument played, every word of rejoicing for those who are serving and those who have recovered. He hears everything. Yet, There are still times when he looks away because his heart is broken for the lost and the lonely, the desperate and the hungry, the impoverished and the addicted, the exploited and the abused, the orphaned and the widowed, the slum dweller and the refugee, that so many of mankind has looked away from too. It is not these people that he can't bear to look at. He can. His heart is broken for them. But his heart is grieved by those he has blessed that do not look to help those that are worse off than themselves. There are times when I fall into this category and my actions or lack of actions grieve the Father's heart because I'm too caught up in my own world, my own needs and wants that I don't see the needs of others, or if I do see them, I don't hear the words of the Father directing me how to help them. Where is God in times of crisis? He's right here with us, giving us, his children, this time to be less focused on ourselves and more attentive to him, to have our hearts broken for those who break his heart. Let us not be the ones who grieve God's heart, But let us be those whose hearts break for that which breaks God's heart.
It might seem that God is looking away at this time, but he is still listening and waiting to hear the prayers from the lips of those that love him. As we bring before him all the desperate and hurting, the distressed and downtrodden, the suffering and the marginalized, those who don't know him or have rejected him. He's waiting for us to humble ourselves and put others before ourselves as we enter into his presence and lift up to him all those that he places on our hearts as we wait before him and hear from him and then lift them up to him in prayer. If ever there was a time for this scripture to be fulfilled, it is now. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 14. It is such a popular verse, but it's so appropriate for this time. This is what 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 says. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now this scripture was given at the height of the reign of King Solomon, not at a dark time, but at the best of times, when everything was as good as it was ever going to be. It could not get any better, but God knows us. He knows that we are flawed. And so he warned his people. He warned Solomon. And he's warning us now. Now is the time for us to take heed of this warning and to humble ourselves, turn from our sin and turn to him and pray. Where is God in times of crisis? Where he always is. With us, right where we are. Just waiting for us to turn to him and seek his face and spend some time in his presence, listening and talking to him. His heart aches for you and me to be present with him wherever we are, because that is where he is. I want to conclude with a poem that I found in the latest ed edition of the Care Prayer Diary that arrived while I was preparing this message. It's a poem by Annie Johnson Flint. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labours increase. To added afflictions he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting, availing. The Father both thee and thy load will upbear. His love has no limits, his grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Such an amazing description of our Father God by an amazing woman. So where is God in times of crisis? As I said already, he's right here with us right now. 
So what need do we want to bring before God? I know that there are many. But be assured, He can provide for every need that we bring before Him. So bring it before Him right now. But remember, His answer might not happen in the manner that you would like it to happen. For He knows what is best for us and the situation that we're praying about. Now I'm going to pause for a minute so we can pray. You can pray, I'll pray. And after a minute, I'll finish with a prayer. As you finish up praying, let me pray. Father God, thank you that you are here with us right now. That your promise to us is that you will never leave us nor forsake us. That you are more than able to provide for all that we need or ask for in line with the teachings of Jesus. And that you desire to bless us when we ask in accordance with your will. Thank you that I am your child. That my sin is forgiven by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the presence and power of your Holy Spirit who lives in me and enables me to live in accordance with your teachings. Amen. Now, if you're listening to this online and are not sure if your sins are forgiven, I would like, like to make sure that you can do this. If you'd like to make sure, then please pray with me now. I will pray and then pause so you can pray after me. Father God, I recognize that I have sin in my life. I recognize that I cannot do anything to remove the sin from my life. I recognize that I need to repent of my sin, to turn my back on my sin. I recognize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. That he was buried and rose to life again on the third day. I recognize that I need to ask you, Jesus Christ, to forgive my sin. Please forgive me of all the sin in my past, present and future. Thank you for your forgiveness, for taking my sin and making it your own on the cross. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, I surrender my whole life to you now 
and for always. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and live in me, to lead me and guide me as I go forward in life. I thank you for my new life as a child of God and a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've just prayed this, please do get in touch with us by sending an email to the address listed at the end of this message. We would love to hear from you and be able to help you go forward in your walk as a new believer, as a new child of the living God. God bless. Amen.